Call Steve Witherup. Calling Steve Witherup. Mobile. Hello? What's going on, man? Hey, uh, I'm doing good, man. What's what's the good word today? <laughs> I got uh, I got something that's been burning in my spirit, brother. Oh, <laughs> I, well, I, I don't. I I, uh, I don't believe you. Yeah, I uh, I am preparing to go to the beach in a couple of days. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna leave on Sunday morning, and uh. The first two days of this trip with Chelsea's family is uh suspected hurricane is coming through, so oh man, off to a hot start uh you know a big part of the demographic that listens to this is uh potential house thieves, so I don't <laughs> know if you wanna be broadcasting this that's that's true we will we will be gone, and if anybody wants an aggressive amount of uh, theology <laughs> books or uh, disc golf discs. Um, that's pretty, I mean, that's the only thing I care about in the house outside of, uh, you know, the people that reside here. Yeah. Hey, I, uh, I want to talk more about that beach in a second, but speaking of disc golf, I <laughs> was so strange that I name dropped you the other day <laughs> uh, talking to this guy who was, talking a lot about disc golf and he's obviously very into it and i was like oh yeah so you know another round huh and he's like oh yeah yeah i said yeah it's one of my good friends <laughs> well you, i mean you you said best friend probably right well, oh why did what did i just say you good said good friend oh no i'm sorry like v- very best like a picture of him in my wallet kind of thing so i'm picturing now listening to this my voice with a very bad edit that says very best. I was like, Oh yeah. So, you know, another round, huh? And he's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I said, yeah, it's one of my very best friends. <laughs> right, right, right. hundred percent. Yes. Uh, that's awesome. But, but he knew about the shop and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yep. Um, it's a very niche thing, but within that, yeah, that I guess the shop is a kind of a a big deal. And and disc golf is a big deal in Charlotte, believe it or not. It, I'm finding that out more and more. And yeah, because it's not like there's ten uh disc golf shops then, you know. Yeah, so. right. Yeah. And there's probably thirty or forty courses that are within uh, you know, twenty miles or something. So there's a ton of courses and it's a big thing in Charlotte. Charlotte's a big hub for it. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I guess the shop has in our first year and a half has got like four or 5,000 customers. So, I mean, that's kind of shocking probably to most people. Yeah. And also this is our first podcast with a sponsor, I guess then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, just not tell Kyle anything about it and hit him just see a $5,000 line item out of the bank account. Yeah. Like, what was that for? <laughs> oh, it was a, it was a podcast advertising like for who Joe Rogan. <laughs> right. Uh, nope. Neighborhood church. So as far as, so this will be the first time you're going, uh, out of, well, no, we went not out, out of town. We went 
Wait. I don't know. You, I think you we took to Maggie a, to Ohio. That's right. That's right. We took Maggie to Ohio, to Ohio once, and that was it. Uh, I guess what I was getting at is a friend of mine has just one daughter, he and his wife and the one daughter, and they were going to the beach, and he sent me a picture. They have this, you know, like the big Ford excursion, and it it wasn't enough space. Unbelievable. Like, because of the because of the child so the amount of things yeah are you just overflowing i mean it's tough to pack for children we've got like one of those small suv things so you would think in theory it'd be plenty of room but basically it's just a honda accord without a trunk like you know (laughs) and uh so we're chelsea's been stressing about that actually she's been saying i I don't think there's going to be enough space so I, I am the person which is probably well, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm the person and it'll come as a great shock to you and anyone listening that, uh, I start packing for a trip 10 minutes before we leave. Just right. Whatever I see. It's like, well, what if, what if stuff's not clean? I don't, I mean, I don't care. Well, I'll just put dirty stuff in. I'll find somewhere to do laundry. I don't know. It'll, it'll work out. The beauty of this though is it's not winter packing like the difference between so if we if we go visit my dad twice a year the difference between december and summer is fantastic as far as the amount of stuff you have to take you know what i mean in summer versus winter sure is like clothes and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean i'm i'm sure your boys in the last four months have had a shirt on what like maybe an hour collectively right yep and same with shoes. So if if there are four pairs of shorts in the trunk of the car, we're good. Uh yeah. It's 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 just been so weird. Zeke the other day I was asking him about it. He he seems I mean he misses his friends and he knows that things are weird. He misses church, but I thought he'd be pretty affected by it. He was like, no, I just hang out with you and mom and Maggie all the time and <laughs> push me in my swing and eat popsicles. Like he just has no concept that things are different. Yeah. Or yeah. he has a concept that it's different. He just doesn't, he's like, I'm not seeing anything bad about this yet. Yeah. Give me the, yeah. Give me the negative aspects of this. I still have popsicles. I still have a swing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just very laser laser focused on what's in front of him, which is, you know, it's a good thing. Right. Um, actually that was a very unintentional, but good lead into some of the stuff we're going to talk about today. We, we often spend about six hours per podcast talking about transitions, about how to very cleanly get from one thing to the next. So that doesn't surprise me. Right. All right. Well, you know, explain yourself. What's what? What's the transition point? Because I know we're talking about Jacob today again, um, but we're going to kind of look at it from a different angle. So, give it to me. Well, we yeah. Last week we read through the story of well, not the whole story, but um, a couple of parts of the Jacob story, and we even gave a little bit of a long-winded background to it. Um, and you know, stories like this, you can spend weeks and weeks and weeks breaking down everything and you know so you can't say everything about it in one 40 minute whatever podcast but 
the reason I think we're going to linger there again is because we didn't actually talk about the content of the dream that he had, which was fine. I mean, I, sure. you know, but, but there was some stuff there that I don't know. I just think is, well, it's an easy, it's always an easy thing just to say, well, I think there's some important stuff there as <laughs> if, you know, but, but I no, do. Nobody, uh, I, parenthetically, I, <laughs> Have you seen uh have you seen Steve Ballmer, the guy that owns the Clippers? Have you seen his uh one of his viral videos of his press conferences? No. <laughs> okay, so you you said, you know, there's a lot of stuff in here. No pastor has ever started a sermon with like this is just kind of basic, kind of boring, like it's right. just middle of the road. Everybody's like, I'm fired up about today's message or whatever. And Ballmer's got this clip of him going pretty fired up hold on i can actually put the audio in this will this will be funny if i can find this audio this is uh steve Ballmer as a uh as a preacher who's about to preach his first sunday back after quarantine i have these notes but i gotta say i'm just fired up to be here today it's pretty cool pretty damn cool He's not he's not spoofing anything. Oh no, no, no. That's him always. There's some old he used to like work for Microsoft, I think, or was like the head of Microsoft of some kind. Uh yeah. And there's some old videos of them at like tech conferences and him dancing to the intro music before speeches. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. It, all of that to say, uh I do think that there are new things to look at in this and today is going to be good. Yeah. Which also (laughs) we're going to be in trouble if we say something that reminds you of, Oh, which reminds me of a clip from the old Clippers owner. (laughs) Uh, There's like one person that will understand that joke, but yeah, we won't, uh, we will not be sharing any of those clips. Right. (laughs) All right. All right. Genesis 28. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay it down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and in your offspring. Know that I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I'll not leave you until I've done what I've promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So just a couple of initial, um, I guess, statements would be that 
there are so many layers to these texts, you know, and so it, it, it it's not a matter of just finding the meaning, but in a sense, finding the meanings and, and the layers of, of meaning to these types of, of stories. And um, which is not a small point, because I do think that there is this kind of like uh, exegetical hunting that happens as if there's one flat meaning on the top that you have to find or, or at the bottom that you have to dig through to get to. And then that's what a text means objectively somewhere instead of looking at it as though there are layers of meanings and different things that we read into it. You know, we, we never approach a text objectively. We're never able to see it outside of ourselves. And so I do think that that's, that's not a small thing to acknowledge that. Right. And, and one of the main reasons it's, it's important for, for this particular one is that uh, drawing heavily on uh, Rabbi Kushner, Lawrence Kushner, who actually he wrote a book called God Was in This Place and I Did Not Know. Mm-hmm. And, and he the, the structure of the book is uh, I can't remember. I think it's seven, seven approaches to this story mm-hmm. just not conflicting interpretations but seven different uh, readings yes that's yeah different readings and most of it draws on ancient midrash and ancient rabbinical texts and so the midrash um is just rabbinical commentary on these stories and they they a lot of them take what we would consider some would consider liberties with the interpretations but we don't have time to get into all of it, but there was, it's not scripture, but it's very insightful expoundings on these stories. And it's really, really important. It's not, this is not peripheral to Jewish life. I mean, even when, uh, when Chelsea and I were in Jerusalem, we went to, uh, we went to the Western wall and it, she was on the women's side and I was over on the men's side cause they don't, they don't mix them. And if you go towards the wall and you walk all the way to the left, there's this little like cave basically. I mean, it's just this, this opening and you walk in and it's a bunch of kids and elders, um, that are all sitting in, you know, just very normal desks. And, there's a huge wall of books behind them and they're going up and getting the books and coming and study and they're studying Midrash. I think if I, if I'm remembering it correctly. And so those, I mean, those thinkers schools of thought are still very ingrained in Jewish life. hundred percent. And it's just, it's insight into perspectives and understandings of, of what it means to, to engage with, with these stories like um in one quick story that i just uh heard one rabbi tell was like that long story i won't go through the details but basically that when instead of torah being behind this curtain sometimes when you open it up what is actually seen as a mirror and and it's a way in which to communicate that we are present in these stories um and that's okay. It's not, it's not just a, it's not just taking liberties with the interpretation. It's, it's understanding why these stories and not other stories were passed down. Uh, yeah. And it's, 
it's an acknowledgement that you're present in what you're talking about and that there's no way to you and the text are in inextricably bound together as you're reading it and you are reading the text and you are being read by the text and uh so i i do think that you know it seems like on the surface it's kind of a a small little throwaway point but i do think it's really important how how we acknowledge our place and what we're reading or whatever Definitely. Um, and that, you know, we could might be a good topic to do for a whole uh, podcast sometime just on, you know, different methods of interpretation and things like that. Yeah, but the myth of um, objectivity and all that stuff. Yeah. But with all that being said, I'm just going to jump into a couple of thoughts based on that that type of understanding um, as as communicated by rabbi kushner yeah, yeah so um and some of these might be a little bit disjointed or whatever but we can just talk through them. but but then at the end i think that there is this really kind of powerful theme then that would connect it that i uh considered so okay. anyway so here's the first thing so this actually comes from rashi and he, he basically says this that when when jacob woke up well, let's say this first real quick. Let's let's just set the, the foundation, uh, the, the dream itself, just real quick. We'll expound on this further as we talk through these angles. But, but basically, the ladder, the stream of this ladder with these angels ascending and descending with, with the voice of God there, I mean, what's the quickest way just to kind of summarize? It would be something like, this this heaven earth overlap this this um this overlapping presence of the sacred and the temporal um is that that's constantly present this is kind of what's being revealed to jacob in in this dream is there i, I think know, that's a, perfect i think what you just said is perfect and i do think that that is so central to like why this is such an important text yeah, yeah, it's sacred space, sacred interaction. Um, this, this, it, it debunking this. Not that Jacob necessarily needed this, but it would be debunking this false sense of separation between the sacred and the secular God and Earth. The, that type of mentality. So, with that basic understanding of that, so here's here's a couple of of, of thoughts. Then, so. Rashi, when he talks about Jacob waking up and, and his statement when he said, you know, surely God was in this place and I, I didn't know it, um, that one understanding of that isn't that Jacob woke up and, and basically said, wow, that was a tremendous dream that I just had. But, but it was almost a statement of, of like, wow, God is here. And I can't believe that I was sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and like, not that I missed it completely in a sense, but it was being asleep to the present reality of the way in which God is present. Yeah. And so, so then to expound on that a little bit further. So the question then becomes like, what are we asleep to? Like, what is occurring around us that we are not open to? to understand um 
Rabbi Kushner says this. I think this is an amazing way to put it. He says, we see what is important to us. Mm -hmm. And so picture, picture this scenario. So you walk into a room, into a big room where there is some sort of, of big gathering. If you are a furniture salesman, what are you noticing? You are seeing the chairs. You are seeing the couches. You are seeing the tables. If you're an interior designer, you are seeing the way in which the space is laid out. Um, if you're a sociologist, you're seeing how these people are interacting. You know, go through so many more of those, those things. And you're noticing what's important to you. Like you already enter every scenario with a tendency to be awake to certain things. Mm -hmm. And so what are we noticing? It's revelatory to what we're looking for because we, we, we notice what we're looking for. But instead of Jacob being awake to this, he was asleep to this. And part of what God was saying to him is this is a reality that you need to be awake to. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 similar. It's not the same, but it's similar to the the reading that you always talk about, the burning bush with Moses, that the the Midrash reading of the that the bush had always been burning. He just finally had eyes to see that it was or whatever. And when he recognized it, that's when he took his shoes off. Yeah. And you know, what's weird is I just read a another additional layer to that reading that I'd never heard. but get this um so so what does it mean to pay attention then like what would it mean for jacob to pay attention in this moment because so yeah moses saw and was awoken to the burning bush but that in and of itself wasn't enough because it wasn't just that the bush was burning it's that it wasn't consumed right but here here's the point or the 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 additional layer to that is how do you know that bush wasn't being consumed? <laughs> you lingered. Yeah, that's it. So you stayed present long enough to realize that it wasn't being consumed. Like, how long do you have to watch a stick? Like, how many times have you sat in a fire and watched it? And it's like, how long do you have to observe it and, and be present to it to realize that it is being consumed or it isn't being consumed? Yeah, maybe it, maybe the revelation is tied to him taking his shoes off too. I mean, that that when he when he sees it as holy and and recognizes it that at that point it does become that. Right, right. Yeah, so I wonder if that if if I I don't remember exactly how it's worded, but I do wonder then if if the the removal of the shoes wasn't instantaneously, but it was after lingering long enough to recognize that this was not being consumed and holy ground. Yeah. And it's either Eugene Peterson or, or uh, Dallas Willard that always said that our primary, uh, our primary problem is inattentiveness or inattention. And so, yeah, I, I do think that that idea of, cause oh, who was it? It's, it's either, this is like grab bag. It could either be this person or this person. It was, I think Merton and CS Lewis both had, things on this but that basically like we've never met mere mortals and that we'd be more more likely to worship someone if we truly saw them than to walk past them on the street you know and so right. it is a kind of like eye-opening 
thing that when your eyes are open to it, you all, you can see the fact that, you know, everything is sacred. Everything is, is, you know, the dwelling place of God and all of that. Yeah. It's this, yes. And it takes paying attention to, uh, like, you know, yeah. To the quote you just gave this from Lewis, it's, it's not something that you notice in other people until you pay attention to it mm-hmm. with intention. And, and that's just all of it. The, this, this whole heaven earth connection, yeah, like the sacredness of this space and time and, and this gift of, 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 cov- of the, the covenant expression that, that Jacob is, is being invited to, you know, participate in. This is, this is not something that is easily arrived at, you know, and, yeah. and, and so, um, and we're talking about it in big terms and broadly that there's surely God was in this place. I was unaware of it, but, but even, I mean, even with something like dreams, we dismiss them and say that they're, you know, it's nothing and random. And, you know, a lot of times it, it is, but if you just described, I mean, who is it? Pete Holmes had always says uh, that we just take the idea of sleeping for granted. He's like, really explain that. Like I go lay down motionless <laughs> and practice right. death for eight hours. And while I'm doing it, movies play in my head that never existed before and work out things from my subconscious. It's like something's going on there. And you know, th- there are definitely times where you wake up from sleep and you feel different. You've arrived at something, some new thought, some new way of being that, you know, was in direct correlation to something that came from a dream or something. Yeah, there's, I guess, there's more going on. It's an oversimplified way to say it, but there's just simply more going on than what we understand, you know? Like everywhere and with everything. Right, exactly. It's you know maybe I'd even almost maybe say it this way. There's, there's, like I believe that there's more going on and less going on at the same time, and I I mean by that like because sometimes when people say there's there's more going on here, what they're really saying is like they're taking they're taking it into a detached spiritual place you know like forfeit forfeiting their responsibility forfeiting the way in which that world finds expression in this concrete reality that we know right um and so everything from like you know i'm sure you've heard the a microphone messes up at church and someone casts a demon out of it right you know right 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 like yes there's more going on but maybe not in that form like yeah. what I mean when I say there's more going on is there is more mystical God presence being experienced and expressed through every single facet of the way in which the world finds its life being expressed. Yeah, the mystic doesn't uh it, that's that's the mistake people make is that there's more going on here, quote unquote, but really it's just these high and ecstatic and totally otherworldly experiences rather than the mystic saying, no, 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 no. In all of the ordinariness of just what it is to be alive on the earth, that 
in everything, there's more going on here than what we think of. It's not just angels and demons and ecstatic things. It's, you know, washing dishes or cutting grass or raising children or walking or what whatever. All of that ordinariness is the place where the sacred is. Yeah, listen to this uh, midrash. It says it, it says this that 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 during the dream, God invited Jacob to climb the ladder into heaven mm. to to ascend into heaven, but Jake but Jacob refused and turned down the offer. Wow! And the question became why? Like why would why would Jacob turn down the offer to you know to ascend to heaven or whatever and the the answer they say was in his response because when he said god was in this place and i didn't know it it made him realize that i have not yet experienced this place in the fullness of god Mm. because the more important well maybe not more but as important to the dream was the descending yeah you know right so so it's almost like you know, yes, the the ascension part of it would be fantastic and wonderful, but I don't want to bypass this. I'm just now beginning to scratch the surface of 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 a new understanding of the way in which the God presence is fully expressed here. And so I want to I don't want to miss that. Like, what is that like to experience life in that way? Why would I why would I jump past that? Hmm. Own to ascend. Yeah, that's good. It's almost like, you know, and it's the way that life is like, you know, like adolescence isn't just a waiting period for adulthood or, you know, or childhood for adolescence. It's like each place, like where we find ourselves, that is where we are. Like that's that's where the God presence is to us. And so why would we want to jump past that into a new, later God experience? And it seems super cheesy, of course. You know, it's about the journey, brother, not the destination. But there is a fascination that all of us have of getting to the next stage or next phase and achieving whatever it is to get there. And and it's it, it really is not about what we're where we're going to end up. It's about how we get there, you know? And so every part of the journey and what we're learning in each stage and the God who's present to us in each stage and in all the circumstances of that stage is the thing that's primary. Yeah. One of the, one of the names, the the ancient Jewish names for God was basically the word for place. Mm. And, and it's like, Oh, God was in that place. God was in this place. And it's this this truly God presence being where we are. It it's it's hard because just like you said with you know the whole journey thing, it's we've turned good thoughts into bumper stickers, right? You know, and and it's hard to find new ways of saying that. But but I, I don't want to abandon the power of those those thoughts though, right? Um, and like, for example, you know, it's, it's very cliche now to talk about being present, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, and, but, but how true is it? Like uh, Moses, when, when God 
when God invited Moses up to Sinai, he said, uh, oh, something along the lines of like, climb, climb up the mountain and, and be here. And it's like, and the way, from what I remember, understand, I might be butchering this, but from what I remember, it in the Hebrew, whatever, it was almost like awkward, like repeating something that's unnecessary. Like, of course, you know, I, I climbed the mountain. Where else would I be? Yeah. But it's like, no, don't just be here, but be here. Or, or Paul saying, having done all to stand, stand therefore, or whatever. Like the. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, it's not enough just to it, like. It's not enough to just simply arrive at the top. Right. It's it's what does it mean then to be in that moment in which God has called you in? You know, and think about it. If, if Moses needed that reminder <laughs> it, on Sinai, right. you know, how much more would, okay, so Jacob lying his head on a stone alone. In, on the in run. The, right. So how much more of a reminder would he need to be, to, to find God where he was? But yeah. yet, just like we talked last week, though, how much grace and mercy or how merciful and gracious is God that Jacob in that moment is able to experience that? Sure. And the experience of that and and the vision of what he saw and that overlap that you talked about is, I think, as important or as tied to inextricably the promise that he receives the words of, you know, you're, you're going to be the heir of all of this. You're going to receive the blessing. Um, but that, that, that overlap was present and that he experienced it and saw it, that God was in this place and, uh, this place, I think that's, I don't know. I just think it's really important. It is because it's foundational to how is it that you will be a blessing to the world other than, implementing this reality oh yeah yeah you know like this yeah like this covenant you know jacob is the carrier of this covenant and it's like that, that god promises to be present in the salvific work of the world of bringing you know the the work of healing the work of wholeness the work of all of that into the world through us yeah, as, so, if, as if heaven and earth are overlapped. Right. And so, yeah, so take that and be a blessing. Like, it's it's foundational to to the work that needs done. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. So, okay, so here's a thought then that I, that I had, and maybe it's maybe doing my own midrash or whatever, but I don't know. I've it feels like there's something there, but let's think about this. So, so Jacob has this gift given to him that of course, so he didn't, once he received this dream, he obviously did not just then fully implement that reality into the rest of his life. I mean, he died a conflicted person, you know? So, um, but, but this gift that he was given was a foundational understanding of of this sacred interaction, this this way of of viewing everything. And part of me wonders if that was part of the birthright. 
Hmm. And so like being given that gift and, and, and in turn, then the gift that is given to all of us, like, so, and so let's see if we can get it into it this way. So we, we are very hard on Esau a lot of times, like he's an idiot. He's a dope. He sold his birthright for, you know, a bowl of soup, this sort of thing. But, but I wonder if, so if this, this thing, this way of understanding and experiencing reality, just this way of, of understanding this life that we've been given, you know, Jacob, this was revealed to Jacob, not because he was doing the right thing, you know, right. This was revealed to him because it was part of the covenant and it was part of what God needed to bring into the world. And so we're, you know, my question is we're hard on Esau, but if this is our birthright, like what are we forfeiting or like, like, are we forfeiting this? And if so, for what? Like, what's our bowl of soup? Like, how are we living? How are we so short-sighted in the way in which we are living that it's the equivalent of having sold this birthright, this understanding, this way of being in the world? What have we sold it for? Like That revelation of heaven and earth overlapping and all of the things that came with that, that we traded for, for soup. Yeah. Yeah. What what are the what are the kind of lower or or less than ways of being that are, you know, more convenient, more uh, easily understood? I think it's a fantastic question. Yeah, I, 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 I hope it wasn't confusing. I, I don't think I worded it very well, but like, and and so the easy, like, I hate using the easy go tos. Like, you know, someone would say like oh well we're always on our phone instead of paying attention to what god's doing or whatever and you know and so i don't want to just go there but like i just i feel like we have given up innate things for easier paths and and part of it is just not paying attention to what the human experience is all about you know i i probably said this 10 times in the last three months, but it's has stuck with me. Uh, I was listening to Richard Rohr on a podcast and he just said as a sort of an aside, he said that the farther you get into all this contemplative stuff, all this mystical stuff, um, the more you see the holiness, the sacredness of all things and the more outwardly secular it looks, it just looks normal. Your life looks normal. People can't see necessarily how, you know, profoundly important you're experiencing life to be, but it is just bathed in what is good and holy and true and real. That's, you know, your eyes are open to just how real everything is. And I'm, you know, talk about like not being on your phone. That's sort of a small thing, but it is a significant thing. I mean, with, with Maggie being born, uh, during this whole pandemic, I, I have been, really aware this time after, you know, four years of having Zeke that these few months, these like, uh, that you, you'd obviously you just never get them back and you don't ever get to have this kid as a three month old again, just looking into Maggie's eyes recently 
has been this really trippy thing of like, oh my God, there's like a whole soul and essence and of being there. And so don't, don't miss it basically. Cause you want to play Tetris. Yeah. It's, I, you know, you get to, if you could fast forward and get to the end of your life or whatever. And it, you know, just like, like I mentioned earlier, it's easy for us on this side of the perspective to look back at Esau and say, you fool, you forfeited this experience, this under for immediate gratification or the easier path. The, you know, you couldn't just be hungry and, and, you know, find more um, satisfying ways to fill that hunger. You traded it, you forfeited it. And what would it be on the other side of this reality right now for us to look back and say, you fool, you forfeited that for what? Yeah. Yep. And and we're all, we're, we are, I, and I, it's one of those things that when pressed, sometimes it's hard to give concrete examples but some things are just simply feelings first you know yeah. and the and the feeling is we we forfeit a lot of this this sacred experience of being human with this god who so desires to interact and move this life forward with us yep for other things yeah and man i chelsea and i watched this um documentary i'm sure a lot of people have about a hospital in new york i think it's called lennox hill and there's they talk about quite a few units and you get to see cases and stuff but um a lot of it is in these cancer wards and it's these people with like really aggressive brain cancers that come in and you see them get this news And it's in some ways feels like invasive and in some ways it feels really like a gift to be able to watch it. And it's really hard, but the feeling of it is like, you know, remembering that we're mortal and that this isn't, I know it seems so obvious to say, but that like numbering our days is important. Like realizing the fact that you could get something like that, some diagnosis like that, and, you know, you find out this runway that you thought you had of 50 more years is actually three more years. And then how do you live in light of that? How do you squeeze life into those days? So, you know, yeah. don't wait to get that diagnosis to live in a way that is more uh, present. I don't know. It just grounding and all the all these things that are trite are are are, are very true. They are. And, you know, the other obvious kind of alter call question then to springboard off of what you just said is, you know, the question that that Jacob then would would bring to uh, to our minds where it's like, uh, you know, he fumbled like we talked about last week. He he fumbled forward like he he made a mess of things and and um, in so many ways, but at least he didn't get to the end of his life and find out, Oh, God had been present in these things. And I did not know it. At least he had the gift of, of operating out of that understanding earlier in his life. And so like, what a shame, what a tragedy to never have come to that realization, that understanding 
and and late in life then say that that god to to come to the discovery that god had been in this place and i was and unaware we, of it for 80 years was, yeah yep it's a different kind of altar call it's not heaven and hell's at stake and you know there's a, an eternity to be gained or lost or whatever but it's a uh this is your life right now. Mary Oliver, the poet says, what are you going to do now with this one wild and precious life? It's like, what, how, how are you going to be in the world? Are you, are you going to be asleep and, you know, sleepwalk through your life basically? Yeah. I think that's good. I think that's a good stopping point. Yeah. So that's a couple thoughts on the dream of Jacob. All right. Well, um, yeah, let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for, uh, these folks that are listening, wherever they're at, um, get messages from friends that are connected to us in New Zealand and uh, all over the world and tons of different states. And we'll just randomly get messages from people that are listening that I had no idea of. So, Lord, I just thank you for all of them. Um, I pray that you would wake all of us up collectively to the to the reality that you are so present to us and that this earth and our situations that we're living in um, are sacred and holy and that you um, are with us in them. And so, Lord, I pray that uh, you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear, Lord. We want to uh, experience the world um, fully. We don't want to be asleep to any of it, God. So wake us up and uh, we pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.